A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, welcome back to Oz of Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company on this Tuesday afternoon, just gone midday Eastern Standard Time. And of course, that is time for the call to share market gurus, not just experts. We only have gurus here on the call uh, looking at 10 stocks that you've suggested in one hour. Absolutely delighted to have Howard Coleman back with the team from Team Invest. Uh, Howard, good afternoon to you. How's your week been? Yeah, good afternoon. It's been great. At least we are able in some cities to have our team invest meetings. And we had one on Friday and one on Monday. Uh, had probably about half our normal turnout. Some people not yep. so keen to come. Lots of social distancing. But uh, between the two days, we had about 100 people there instead of our usual 200. So that was great. It was good to be face to face with some of the people again. And, and what's the, Howard? What's the mood of the team invest members in terms well, of the market? Yeah, amongst our members, very positive because most of them took opportunities uh, in late March, early April, when share prices were really beaten down on companies that we know are great businesses. And so far, of the great businesses, pretty much all of them have reported really well. So our members were uh, enthusiastic from an investment point of view, concerned from a health and uh, societal point of view, an overall economy point of view, but uh, their own personal investments doing very well. Okay. Um, Gary Glover is with us from Novus Capital. Uh, Gary, good to see you. How are you, how you seeing the, the earnings season at the moment? Yeah, I think everyone's got their uh, rose-coloured sort of glasses on, really. So, um, yeah, so everyone's kind of looking at maybe the revenue line, maybe more than a profit line, obviously, because we've got COVID costs and issues there. So probably trying to see whether revenues are being maintained. So yep. that sort of tells you whether the business is still ticking over yep. or not. Yep. And then there's obviously, secondly, looking at uh, outlook statements. So right. look at, you know, so... Half uh, the of, companies that are giving well, them. Well, yeah, so, so half of them are giving them, half of them aren't. So, yeah. yeah, it's almost the better, you know, it's in this market here, it's almost the less detail you give, the better sometimes. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think um, some of the businesses have held up pretty well from a sales and revenue point of view. Yeah. That's been sort of, uh, I think, rewarded in the market. Yeah. So, hasn't been too many stocks that have been here yeah, belted here. It's been pretty, you know, right. pretty kind reporting season so Anything far, so. surprising? Um, out of this season or is it all no, look, it's always, expected? It's always a trend. So you yeah. always come into reporting season sort of thinking, how's it going to be? Because it's, it's all about expectations normally as well. Yeah. So that's why if expectations are always super high, then you're always worried about whether they're going to fall short or not. And then yeah. if expectations are low, then you're sort of like anything on the positive here really be, be taken well. So there's always a hard one coming in here, but obviously everyone with the COVID circumstance obviously thinking, okay, there's going to be it's not going mm. to be great. Yeah. So everyone's already had that sort of pretty conservative view, yeah. sort of pre preset. So yeah. um, for companies that have sort of, you know, I guess for 
some of the majors that have stayed open, um, like you know your Harvey Normans, things like your Woolworths and yeah. West Farmers, they're, they're doing better business because everyone else is closed. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, so it's all about the number there, you know, revenue ticking up. So okay, that, you know, it, it'll be about looking forward here now as to whether how yeah. long COVID lasts and whether these uh, whether the big players whether they'll still keep their advantage longer term or is this a short term phenomenon? Right. Yeah, yeah, fascinating time yeah. with the numbers and uh, speaking of. Uh, Fearful with a lot of numbers. Uh, before we get into your 10 stocks, I choose a stock of the day, um, uh, a stock that's making uh, a bit of news today. And one of those is uh, Centre Group. Um, they operate the Westfield Shopping Centres. Net loss, $3.6 billion revenue for the half, down 16%. Um, Centre said valuation of its property portfolio fell by $4 billion at the end of June, no interim dividend. Uh, regarding rents, Chief Executive Peter Allen saying the industry is unique in that it's provided over $1.6 billion in support for retailers without financial assistance from the government, saying it tops the amount of support offered across industry. Centre Group's gross rental billing collections were over 80% in June and July and it's unable to provide guidance. So uh, stock of the day, Howard Coleman, what did you think of uh, Centre Group's performance and what do you think of it as uh, an investment? Well, uh, we've never been particularly keen on um, property trusts uh, as the sort of is, um, for the very simple reason that they have low return on equity. And if you've got return on equity as Centre Group has had over the past uh, 10 years of or nine years, whatever it is that it's been uh, shown separately, of, of around about uh, five or six percent, you can't get a return on your investment in the long term much greater than that. Um, the only thing you can do is perhaps make trading profits where you try to outguess what the market is thinking and buy it when it seems to be cheap and sell it when it seems to be expensive. But, you know, most of our members of Team Invest are people with extensive business experience. And rather than trying to play the silly game of guessing what market expectations are, they say, let's look at the business. And is this a business that has got uh, the likelihood of generating higher income in the future than in the past? And if you look at uh, Centre Group, you'd have to say, no. Uh, well, the one thing that COVID has done is it's accelerated the understanding by consumers that they can buy things online and it's not really all that complicated. So more and more people are buying online. We see that in uh, many of the companies that have reported and split their online sales. Centre Group has started a digital offering, but really their main value used to be their physical properties. Now that still is their main value, but as they've recognised, that main value has come down in value by approximately $4 billion. So you know, it's hard to see Centre Group either increasing its return on equity or alternatively uh, increasing its earnings per share uh, on a steady basis over the next uh, five to 10 years. Uh, all that I can see is it gradually eroding as rents gradually come down and more and more shops stand empty. So yeah. definitely not a wealth winner. Now, it's really cheap at the moment. So I suppose you could argue that if you want to be a trader, you could buy it and try and sell it a bit later for more money, but it's not a long-term investment. Yeah. Um, Gary, it's one of those things. Australia, um, for years I've been reading, we've got a, 
amongst the highest retail rents in the world, don't we, here in this country. But you think what we're going through now is going to make an adjustment there and the landlords are going to do it tough. What do you think of the centre? Yeah, I know. Well, I think we have, you know, we've probably loved, you know, probably some more than others going to shopping centres in Westfield and yeah. um, they're not just sort of shopping now. There's obviously dining experiences as well. So, yeah. but yeah, the, the trend is heading the wrong direction there. So, I mean, the scary thing is there, like your revenue for first half is what, one billion? And then your loss for the for the half is three point six billion. So mm. that's not a that's that's a pretty nasty line there just in itself. Yeah. So PE aside, obviously what nine for PE that doesn't look expensive, but if you're not making a lot of money, the PE is irrelevant. Yeah. So yeah, the trends against them, you know, forty Westfield shopping centres. So yeah, it's just going to be a tough space here. It just sort of feels like the wrong macro. Yeah. Um, so you're fighting against the you know, broader trend there. I I just kind of think. Um, you know, what do you do? What does Centre Group do here to sort of try and um, shift that? So, so I don't think, you know, say that we're probably going to lose a few, um, you know, a few retailers through there as well. Well, well and they're, they're shutting the doors on. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, they shut out Mosaic. Yeah, only been off the others, yeah, so. Just the other day. Yeah. Absolutely shuttered them. And, and then you've got Premier Investment, Solomon Liu, saying he's not paying rent. And yep. you sort of wonder why his stores <laughs> Are still open with Westfield yes. when they when they picked on Mosaic. Whether it was okay, pick on Mosaic to send a message uh, to the others to see if they will start. Yeah, right. yeah, I think that's probably a little bit of that for sure. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's hard one there. Just sort of, I, I guess the macro is probably yeah. not not positive there, but it does make me sort of think that um, maybe how we're seeing shopping centres now, maybe in five or ten years' time, they may not look quite the same. So yeah. Yeah. maybe we're sort of we're Got to find, reinvent themselves. Yeah, maybe it should be more entertainment, dining focused, yeah. or um, yeah, trying to get people there for other reasons and things right. like that. So yeah. yeah, all right, fascinating time ahead to see, and and with these sorts of groups too, when you devalue an asset, it goes to your revenue, doesn't it? Yeah, um, yeah that's right. It goes into your P and L, which is a weird way of accounting, but that's what they do in those sorts of uh, sorts of companies. All right, let's um, start looking at the companies that you've sent in for a suggestion. Thank you for that. Uh, Roberta wants a, a view on Harvey Norman, the, uh, the big retailing um, uh, group. They put out sort of preliminary um, reports um, um, a, couple, a month or two ago saying they've had to revalue things down 20% compared with last year. And... Um, Profit before tax, though, up 20% for the 11 months uh, on full year 20. So it's um, um, when you look at Nick Scarley and some of the, the other good retailers, uh, how does Harvey Norman stack up, Gary? Yeah, look, look it's, I, think, I think it's a pretty good result overall. Yeah. Um, there's still there's a few gaps in there as well. So obviously um, some of the other um, countries have been locked down for longer. Yep. Some of the stores just because we, we forget they're in Eastern Europe yeah. and other, yeah. other so parts there's as well. Ireland, Slovenia, there's Ireland, obviously it's a smaller yeah. number of stores, but still still affects obviously the bottom line, still yep. ex, still basically affects expansion plans as well. So, so the actual sales numbers is, is pretty good, but that's but it is kind of in line with the you know, if you think about the big retailers that have remained open, they all have been coming in that sort of 10 to 20 percent up, yeah, uh, sort of revenues because obviously. Everywhere else is closed, so where else do we shop but the majors? And they've got the probably better online um, proposition as well. So, 
it's a pretty solid there. It's just for me, it's all about you know if COVID drags on longer than everyone expects, then you expect the, the big retailers to continue to do really well. Yep. Um, but if the doors, if everyone opens up again, then the smaller players will will open the doors again. But can't help but think, uh, not not everyone's going to open the doors. Right. Some of the smaller fringe players may not. So there still might be. So maybe the advantage is rather than being. 10 or 15% advantage, maybe it's only going to be a 4 or 5% advantage, but that's right. still, you know, everyone's sort of re-rating up here, but mm. we can't sort of use these numbers as as the signs for the future because this is a bit of a one-off, but yep. but maybe it's a, maybe there's a lean on the positive skew here as well. So I think Harvey Norman, the P is only 13, so it's not, it's not expensive here really considering the growth there, and this could drag on a bit longer as well, so, okay. so there's probably got a bit of legs in it, but... It's just sort of where you sort of sit here in your view, yeah. how, how long COVID takes. So that'll unfold a little bit there. So, right. yeah, so look, it's not, you know, I think it more than likely it'll go higher here. Um, would I be sort of jumping in and getting excited about buying it after this great run? Pro- probably not. Sort of, right. um, you know, it's, it's just had a phenomenal run and the results have been pretty good. But yeah. there's still some, still puts a bit of, um, you know, it will stop their expansion plan overseas as well. So that's sure. probably the negative yeah, you know. So okay. yeah, uh, Howard, what do you think of Harvey Norman? Yeah, I mean, to a large extent, it's really a property play combined with um, a method of selling things on no deposit or low deposit and many months to pay, and um, it's benefited by decreased interest rates because if you're offering sixty months or whatever it is interest free, um, you have to fund that 60 months in some way, even if you're doing it through another funder, you pay for it uh, to do it through the other funder. The lower the interest rates get, the easier it is for Harvey Norman to do that. So it's had a wonderful tailwind in terms of low interest rates, meaning it's been able to lift its profit margins, which it has. At the same time, it's had this wonderful COVID tailwind where it stayed open and some of its competitors closed. Plus, people couldn't spend $65 billion a year traveling overseas, and they were sitting at home in their, on their lounge suite and decided it needed uh, to be replaced, or they needed a computer on their desk, or they needed a, a better workspace at home. This has all been wonderfully positive for Harvey Norman. Um, it does have reasonably high return on equity and low debt, but its earnings, despite the very many tailwinds it had because interest rates have been dropping for a long time, hasn't really uh, shown much growth in EPS. So longer term, hard for us to get really excited about it, but it certainly is one of the best in the retail space. But seeing as you only want to invest in the two or three most likely wealth winners, I'd say this will be over time a solid performer, but not a wealth winner. Uh, PE ratio relatively low, but all retailers tend to be on relative, except for JB Hi-Fi perhaps, tend to be on relatively low PEs at the moment. Doesn't overly enthuse us, but um, you you wouldn't completely reject it. Right. So Um, And I know I think, um, and you and Mark have talked before, um, your team invest group skew more towards Nick Scarly, don't they, uh, in that retail space? Well, JB Hi-Fi, Super Retail Group, Accent Group, Nick Scarly, um, yep. those four, the four that we, we're the most right. comfortable. Okay. Um, thank you for that, Roberta. Uh, that suggestion on um, Harvey Norman. Margaret, 
Um, Howard uh, wants a, a view on Babcorp, which is the, um, uh, the automotive parts reseller, is it? They go ex-dividend in a couple of days. Um, share prices had a pretty good run as well. What do you think of Babcorp? Yeah, their earnings per share dropped in 2020 after having risen for a number of years. In fact, 2019 was a little bit down on 2018 and 2020 down on 2019. So that's not a good sign. And considering they've uh, been getting increased market share over time, you would have thought that uh, you would have seen increased earnings per share. I think they did have a capital raising in that in that time as well. And its share price is right up in the red. In other words, its PE ratio is uh, towards its highest PE ratio uh, over time. So um, I would look at this at the moment and say, mm, first few years of listing have looked very good. Um, but as so often happens, unless you have a whole economic cycle of history with a company, you never really know how it's going to perform when times change. And that seems to be the case here because 2019 and 2020 have both been disappointing uh, in terms of uh, earnings per share and in terms of return on equity. So, um, uh, uh, sorry, it's actually 2020 for earnings per share and 2019 and 24 return on equity. So, no, it wouldn't pass our filters, but um, it certainly was looking like it may uh, start passing our filters a year or two ago but now seems to have disappointed. Okay. Uh, Gary, Pepcorp? Yeah, it's hub on there. So market cap, what, 2.3 billion. PE is around 25, almost 26, yield around 2.5%. So looks a little pricey there, but I mean, the, the revenue line, 1.46 billion for the full year is pretty decent on, yep. the, on the cap there, obviously margin-wise. Look, uh, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure this one here, just sort of uh, the, the PE is a little, you know, Seems, seems sort of fully priced here. Yep. I have been, um, I was actually talking to someone this morning and talking about the, the car parts market actually, yep. um, particularly um, Europe and stuff there. V very difficult to get uh, European parts at the moment. So Asian parts is fine, but right. any, any cars European, to the point there where at the moment if, you're, if, you've, if you've bought a European car and something needs to be replaced and they can't get it, they're replacing the car. Oh. Um, or giving what, you because of supply chain issues. Supply chain issues. Right. So basically, can't get these certain. Yeah, it might be specialist parts can't coming right. in. So oh, maybe no. giving a full refund on the cars because they can't. Wow. Uh, but mainly just European based yep. issues. Yep. So I don't know how long that lasts. How whether this is just a small little pocket. Right. But that does concern me a little bit. Sort of hearing tales of that. But yep. um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you got to expect some mm. supply issues. Obviously, some parts. Obviously the. With COVID, there will be some um, you know, supply chain. You know, and I know that in the car area, there, there's some, yeah, some of the um, car guys are saying they're not expecting too much stock to be coming in post September. So they've had a pretty good, you know, um, you know, oh, March sort of through to June. But yeah. post that, there might be, you know, there's, there's some sort of supply issues sort of post September for vehicles coming into right. different regions there. So just wonder how that might affect. You know, look, might only be a small thing there, but just. Mm. Yeah, definitely a, a little issue was sort of worth investigating a little closer there. But yep. um, yeah, but I, I have heard that obviously sales have been pretty robust yep. with cars so far. So, um, but the parts market, getting these right. specialist parts for the top end cars uh, could be an issue. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, how do you see that call? Look, on 26 times, probably 
probably you know, too expensive for me. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. There you go, Margaret. Thank you uh, for that. Um, Gary Joseph wants a view on Mercury NZ. Now, this is uh, a big uh, power generation, electricity generation, and retailing company in New Zealand. Um, focuses on renewable energy, operates nine hydro generating stations on the Waikato River and a whole bunch of uh, geothermal uh, plants in New Zealand as well. So New Zealand company listed on the, the Australian exchange here. Uh, Mercury and Z, Gary? Yes, yeah, so again, it's got a pretty big PE around the 30 odd there. Um, oh. Looks surprising actually, I mean, big market cap, six and a half billion. Um, so it's got nine hydro generation stations and five geothermal generation stations. So you know, big sort of uh, electricity provider in that New Zealand market there. Yep. Um, so anyway, the price action is really erratic. Um, obviously, it's quite lightly traded, so it's not a not a big trader here. Right. So we're probably um, like a depository receipt. We're obviously like a secondary market, I would imagine. Um, but we'd probably just sort of um, follow the parent a lot more. The parent's probably going to be a lot more liquid than it is here. But yep. Yeah, look, it's yeah. Look, the price action looks positive at the moment. It looks like it wants to go higher, just sort of technically. But um, but the chart is yeah, it's very sort of uh, like there's gaps everywhere. Like it's sort of gapping up and down, yep. you know, regularly um, and quite lightly traded here. So uh, I'm not sure it's the right market we're trading here. But oh no, I just sort of it's it's funny here when um, I've looked at the last few downturns in markets and utilities have been one of the worst sectors in in downturns. So if you why is that? I don't know. Do you know. reckon? Well, I thought actually would be pretty you'd safe. Because it be pretty stable yeah. and a defensive. Pretty, pretty safe defensive, yeah. but yeah, it hasn't been the case. So, yeah. so with the um, so with the o seven o nine period, yeah. uh, utilities were the second worst performing sector, and yeah. um, in the um, after two thousand top as well, uh, they were the second worst performing sector as well. Wow. So, um, so yeah, it was just sort of interesting that that, that sector doesn't sort of perform too well. But I'd, maybe it's um, at the moment. You're sort of seeing a lot of pressure on um, polys and to, to reduce yep. the um, you know the prices there. So maybe it's a maybe there's a bit of squeeze there. So as um, everyone's coming under squeeze recessionary period, yep. looking for lower prices. Well, on, energy on policy is very criticised here in Australia. Isn't yeah. all it did. That's yeah. been a big thing. We'll cut your cost of, of power to help your cost yeah. of living. Yeah. So we're seeing sort of AGL sort of um, you know forecast sort of lower earnings moving yep. forward here. So. Maybe that's a, just a concern there, yep. but I just, yeah, just it looks not a sector I'm doing too, too much in there. I don't really know the ins and outs of this company, but just on that basis alone, I'm, I'm probably not that keen okay. on it actually. Yeah. Uh, Howard, what do you think of Mercury NZ? Yeah, like most utilities, it's got a very low return on equity. So once again, you can't get a high return as a shareholder when the, sh the company can't generate a high percentage of uh, money off its own equity. So, you know, if a company can only generate five and a half cents uh, of revenue uh, or profit out of every dollar that's invested in the company, and you're an investor in the company, it'd be a bit strange to think that you could get any more out of it than the company got out of it. So, um, you know, it's got low return on equity, as utilities invariably do, and partly, as both of you have said, that's, that it's regulated. I loved Gary's expression of the price wants to go high. I didn't know prices were alive. I thought they were humans and human sentiment. I didn't think prices wanted to do anything at all. Um, but yes, it's on a very high PE ratio. Um, usually why utilities have done not as well as expected in downturns 
is most utilities are usually carry very high levels of debt, um, which in a downturn creates a problem for them. But Mercury doesn't actually have high debt. So it's one positive it's, is that its debt levels are low. So it shouldn't be negatively affected. But, you know, on a return on equity of 5.5%, you're not going to get a great return. And when the PE ratio is this high, with such a low uh, ROE and low growth in earnings per share, um, definitely it's not even a good trading stock at this time. So a definite no from me. Okay. All right. We've got Origin Energy coming up later in the list. So it'd be interesting to get your views on that in the meantime, though. Um, Howard Lewis wants a uh, view on connection telematics. Now, this is a smart car technology developer, and I really hadn't heard much about it. But then uh, it's the latest financial year. Um, it's had a, a, a big increase in, in profit, a big increase in revenue, and uh, uh, was cash flow positive. I thought, wow, for a little little company, it's, it's had a big year in COVID. <laughs> it, it has. And in fact, David, like you, I, I'd, I'd in fact, I think it was worse. I'd, I'd never even heard of this company. I had to look it up and see what it did. Yeah. Um, and yes, I mean, what it's doing sounds quite exciting and uh, in an area that obviously has terrific potential. The question we don't really know the answer to yet is, is this management team capable of running a business profitably? But the last two years seems to suggest they may well be. But I think before we get too carried away by that it made a nice profit, it really only made 0.004 cents per share uh, in profit in the year before 0.001 cents per share. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not exactly making massive dollars in profit, but it at least is moving in the right direction. Wouldn't be a company our team invest members would be at all interested in because it's got too short a history of profit making. So we don't know if this management team is actually good at running a business or only good at developing technology. But I must say, it, it certainly looks promising in the last couple of years. So I'd be an, a no from a from our perspective, but a no with a, oh, it's worth keeping an eye on this over the next mm. couple of years. Okay. And Gary, when you look at that chart, it it, it looks pretty illiquid, <laughs> does it? It's yeah, a, no, it is, it's, yeah. It's a yeah. tiny business, but, you know, I suppose... Um, I think uh, the last three days alone might have traded more than the, in the whole year. Oh, did to they? That. Yeah, uh, so okay. more, more than likely, yeah. All right, which so, is why Lewis has uh, asked a question, I suppose. It's, yeah. it's a real minnow, but one that... Yeah, I sort of put it's it. Uh, yeah, I sort of put a circle here through uh, add to the watch list, really. Right. So um, ah. just to get the basis that its market cap is only twenty three mil. Yep. Uh, so pretty tiny sort of uh, you know sort of enterprise value. Yep. Uh, revenue was eight point two mil for the for the year, and the net profit was just over two million. So pretty good in that regard. Yep. Um, the other thing I liked there was that actually they've got a um, General Motors is what was obviously their their big. Yep. That's the, the bigger, you know, one of the one of the big deals they've got there. So if they're sort of IP tech, uh, so it's obviously the the um, the what you, the computer interface uh, oh. with the cars and stuff there. Yep. So um, yeah, so if you can if you can get one major um, automotive group on on board, maybe you can get yeah, a couple it gives others. You a huge or, credibility. Yeah. Also. So uh, yeah, that's often how these sort of small players sort of start there. Yeah. Whether the not sort of how. 
not sure how big the revenues can sort of grow in that area. What sort of, um, yeah. it's not like it's sort of open-ended, sort of um, unlimited um, um, sort of size there. But yeah, I guess a tidy little business there. Just sort of, uh, yeah, one to sort of keep an eye on, maybe do a little homework on, just sort of see yeah. sort of what the, um, you know, what the, what the plan is there, you know, moving forward there, what sort of potential mm-hmm. they can get there. But yeah, definitely on those numbers okay. there, it's worth a look. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lewis, thanks for bringing that to our attention. That's what we love about the call when um, viewers give us um, some stocks to look at uh, that are really off everybody's radar. So even though it's a no from both Howard and Gary for Connection Telematics, they both put it on their watch list, so uh, worthwhile following through. Um, Gary, our fifth stock uh, to be suggested is uh, Gemma the uh, baby bunting group of course it's got the the baby um, wear and accessories uh, business basically corded in Australia but caters to parents with kids from newborn to uh, to three years of age parents to be um, 80 national superstores across Australia 6,000 lines they're in pram seats prams car seats baby wear the whole lot when you talk babies um, for parents and also uh, they're likely to skin grandparents with the most expensive stuff as they get hoodwinked into this sort of thing. Uh, the company reported 12% sales growth um, and um, quite a big e-commerce uh, area as well. Gary, what do you think of that baby bunting? Yes, I thought the revenue line was actually down on the year, right. um, but the sales um, for the first, obviously since the start of COVID. Or yeah. the new financial year, yeah. um, sales have been up 20%. So right. um, so maybe the full year gone by, not so hot, but n- not not solid. Yeah. But since uh, obviously you know, COVID sort of um, new financial year, sales are going gangbusters. So that, that's pretty positive. It, the only thing here is we've sort of got a market cap around 567, yeah. um, which is getting up there. So I've got here PE 57. I've sort of got a question mark on that because that, that seems too high. But well, but, um, but you, you look at that four dollars forty at the moment. It's sort yeah. of breaking record levels. Yeah, so, so I know it went down to one sixty there. Sort of COVID, it was sitting around that sort of uh, mid threes before, yeah. um, for the sell off. So, yeah, it would suggest we've sort of popped up here. The one thing I can see on the chart, which does bother me a little bit, is that the socks sort of gone up throughout this period, and the last couple of weeks when we've sort of got to around that four forty four fifty mark, the volume the last two weeks has gone the roof so uh-huh. technically I'm looking at charts and stuff there price action I want to see big volume come in at, you know big volume normally comes in at one or two places it comes in down near the lows or it comes in near the highs so it's either uh-huh. you know is it accumulation or is it distribution yeah so the fact that we've run here from 160 up to 450 and yep. the last two weeks have seen volume probably three times the average for the last uh, three months it tells me there's some better there's a bit of uh, distribution a bit of selling Right. A bit of profit taking taking place up here after this fa- fantastic run, which is only right. common sense, but yeah. um, but it does tell you that there's it's had a great run, valuation's pretty high in a bit of a sweet spot, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I probably probably don't like it. I probably it's probably a sell here from for mine right. here, just looking okay. at the technicals alone. If yeah. you've got to take take some profits, maybe yeah. a bit off the table. Yeah. Um, Howard, what do you think of a baby bunting? And of course. Uh, uh, there's been a theme that with this COVID, we're going to see a baby boom in 
nine or 12 months time. I'm not sure whether that's the case. And, and uh, baby bunting could be set up for that. Well, it's certainly been the case historically whenever people have been stuck at home for any reason. So uh, it's, it's probably a reasonably good call and we'll know in uh, eight or nine months time probably. But um, uh, I've actually got that its sales revenue was up for the year um, and that uh, so were its earnings. So um, I'm not quite sure, Gary, um, but certainly that's what, what my uh, figures are here. And that it's on a PE ratio currently of about 30. Now, having said that, though, um, it's only got a relatively short history. Obviously, it's in an area that at the moment with people stuck at home, grandparents are more likely buying things for their grandchildren. Parents yep. uh, can't go overseas either. They're buying things for their grandchildren or for their children. So they're in a bit of a sweet spot. But, um, you know, it, its history is relatively short. It's a retailer. And like all retailers now, uh, its leases under the new AASB uh, 16 code, re uh, uh, leases are now shown as debt and a right of use asset. Now, that pushes up their debt levels quite high. And with the retailers, we get to actually see how much debt they're really exposed to. And um, that can sometimes be uh, a little bit of a shock. Now, its total debt to equity, if you include leases, is 113%. So it wouldn't pass our filters in uh, Team Invest anymore, um, whereas some of the other retailers, their debt hasn't risen so much as a result of leases. Now, as Gary says, they've got quite large premises, so that could be part of the reason. Um, it wouldn't be one of our top retailers, but it's certainly been a retailer that's been doing better than most and is likely to continue doing better than most, but on a P of 30, um, it's it's not something we would look at very seriously, and the okay. debt's too high. I think the online, I think they've had a, they've had a pretty good online platform as well, right. so that's yeah. uh, really helped that's there. That's yeah. So I think the, there's been a real acceleration in 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 the last few months. Yeah. So um, yep. yeah, so whether that's sustainable okay. or not, but again, they, again, it's these you know the bigger retailers here because they're open and they've got a good online offering. Yeah. As opposed to the smaller ones who are maybe closed or not always open and don't have the online offering. That, that's, yeah, you know, it's a bit big differential. Yeah, between the skew the two. here. But yeah, but saying that, I mean, look, we're, we're you know, if we look at Amazon as yeah. the, the leading there, they're, they're in the same sort of space yeah. here. So they continue to grow. So mm. so why can't okay. these other players who are, you know, have got the great online offering and the, and the store mix as well, yep. maybe they can continue to sort of outperform as okay. well. Yeah. All right, Jenna, thank you for that well, suggestion. So let's just uh, uh, recap the first five stocks, including stock of the day. Uh, Centre Group, um, uh, a no from both Gary and Howard. Uh, Harvey Norman, not at these levels, but a good solid business um, and good solid retailer. Uh, Backcora, no. Mercury, uh, New Zealand, a no. Connection Telematics, none of us knew much about it. Interesting business, making a profit now something that both Gary and Howard are going to put on their watch list and a no for baby bunting. Um, here on the call, we've been tracking our own portfolio since the 1st of July. Now, any stocks of the 10 stocks that get two ticks or, or two thumbs up from our expert panel, we stick in this little uh, portfolio. Uh, so let's get a check on how it's been performing since the 1st of July. Last week or so, up about 4% the same uh, for the last month and since the 1st of July up 11.3%. We check it every day. 
Uh, let's take a look at the stocks that have been added recently by the, um, by the team of experts here in the last week or so. Uh, Fortescue, Zip, uh, ETF, um, Physical Gold, uh, Cochlear and Accent Group. And uh, you can check all of the stocks in the calls portfolio by heading to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. We'll be updating it every day here on the call and tracking it through. And join us from 1pm. We'll be speaking to the Blackmores Group Chief Executive, uh, the Managing Director, Alastair Symington, on the back of uh, Blackmores full year results. So that's coming up at 1pm just after the call. Um, let's get into the, uh, the second half of our 10 stocks and Gary uh, Ankit um, wants a view on Origin Energy. Um, energy business include exploration and production of natural gas, electricity. It's also a wholesaler and, and a retailer. What do you think of Origin? Yeah, so they gave, uh, obviously they, they reported on the 20th of August there. So yep. look, it was probably a little bit underwhelming, the result. So, um, and I think more importantly, they're the forecasting sort of lower uh, demand moving forward and um, lower, lower profits sort of moving forward. So most of the brokers have sort of wound back um, expectations. So I think most of the broker vales are sort of sitting between 5.30 and 7.80, so pretty wide. I think the majority are sitting between just under six and in the high sixes. So, right. but we kind of, it's probably kind of priced in a little bit here at the moment. So. Look, it's a bit of a neutral. I think it's sort of, um, you know, um, forecasting that there's some headwinds there. Um, I think their you know, returns aren't going to be, they're going to be okay without being great here. So, right. yeah, but the stock's probably going to be stuck here. So it's a bit right. of a, you know, I just don't see any reason to get involved there really. So, okay. um, yeah, All it's right. a bit, bit neutral. Howard, what do you think on Origin? Yeah, well, the reason the stock is stuck is because its earnings per share is stuck or going down. It's been a slow burn capital killer. And in the end, stock prices reflect what the earnings per share of the company are doing. So it's much easier to look at the earnings and predict the stock price than to try and look at the stock price and predict the stock price. And if you look in 2012, for instance, it made 72 cents a share and it's been steadily deteriorating or no, not quite steadily, on a downward trend since then, sometimes dropping more and then rising a little bit, dropping again. It's now earning about 48 cents a share. So we can hardly expect that its share price will be uh, rising over that period. Very capital intensive business, and hence its return on equity is low. Um, its debt levels generally tend to be high-ish, although they're not too bad. Um, and um, earnings aren't growing. so. Uh, sort of a slow burn capital killer rather than uh, a nasty capital killer that hits you all at once. But, you know, if the same trend continues over the next 10 years, um, the share price will drop another roughly third um, along the way and you could have put your money somewhere where the earnings were growing and therefore the share price would grow. So definitely a no from us. Okay. Uh, well, we've got you, Howard. Louise wants a view on integrated uh, research. This is a, uh, a software platform, is it, in that um, infrastructure payments and communications uh, system grew. Recent results grew their revenue by about 10%. Um, it's um, uh, one of your, uh, a few tech companies that 
that are listed on the exchange? What do you think of integrated research? Yeah, now this is the exact opposite to Origin Energy. Um, low capital costs, very, very high return on equity in the 30s percent and has been for a, a decade or so, been growing its earnings steadily uh, over a decade at about uh, somewhere around about uh, 10 odd percent, 11 percent in fact, uh, per year uh, over a lengthy period of time. And um, niche products, it, it does what are absolutely critical things for individual organisations in verifying the accuracy of what's happening in their transactions and so on. So uh, got no debt, um, and um, we've been talking about it as being a wealth winner for, oh, I don't know, something like 15 plus years, uh, certainly since before I, I was on TV 10 years ago, uh, it was already in our list of potential wealth winners. And because its earnings have been growing, so is its share price, uh, you could have bought it uh, on a share price, uh, if I can have a look over here, of about 25 cents. Um, 10 years ago, and it's now uh, uh, something over $4. A little bit expensive at the moment. Uh, it had that run up in a, for a little while. So it's up near the top of its PE ratio. It's not as bad as it was a week or two ago, but at anything uh, down below $4, uh, it's starting to look quite decent again. And as I say, it's been a long-term wealth winner that gets mm -hmm. very little attention because it isn't doing anything that people regard as a good story or a sexy idea. Mm, okay, and uh, so uh, a yes under four, $4, um, and Gary, 95% of its revenue comes from overseas, which is interesting. Yes, I mean, the, sort of in the clients are like stock exchanges and JP yeah. Morgan, so it's all sort of uh, critical uh, business sort of software, um, you know, around the payment sort of process. Um, so look, it's some interesting sort of business there. Obviously, growing its revenue ten percent, but yep. as Howard says there, the multiples around thirty times. So, yeah. you know, is a business you know obviously high, you know, high high end clients. Obviously, still growing, but multiples still around thirty. So it's a, it's a little pricey for me. Right. Um, again, I, I mentioned before about volume and price action. So this is a classic. If anyone wants to learn something here on integrated research. If we go and look at the low, look at the three or four weeks around the low, so the couple of weeks before it and after the low, the volumes were about two or three times the normal volumes, right. and that was down near the low there. So the stocks had a run from, what, $2.30 all the way up to four ninety here. Yep. The last three weeks, we've seen volumes sitting around two or three times the normal volumes. Right. So stocks gone from two twenty two thirty all the way up to four ninety and the volume's coming in here. So to me, that's telling me there's a little bit of distribution, a little bit of selling coming back here. When I see that type of activity, that normally means the price will come back. And the first area that I normally looked at is look at the old, like an old high. It's, right. like, you know, it's like prices like walking up a set of stairs, uh, you'll sort of fall back to the last stair where, where, the, where the price action was. Yep. So that's around about the 340, 350 level. Right. So to me, that's probably, you know, I'd be, I'd be telling Howard to maybe rather than jump in at four, I'd probably jump in around three fifty. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, was in a, I was in at something since I forget how many cents. But it's been at least a ten bagger for me, and I expect it'll be another ten over the next ten years. I'm not jumping in and out when you find a wealth winner and it's yep. growing its earnings. <clears throat> um, it's a foolish thing to jump in and out. You stay with the winners. Yep. Okay. 
All right, our next stock, uh, Gary, suggested by Roxanne, a high-tech group, Australia. This is a recruitment consultancy business in the in the IT business, uh, contracting, consulting, and and recruitment organisation. Um, what do you think of of high tech today? Yes, it's not one that I sort of knew too much. I, right. I, I like the name, sort of. Uh, you know, I was yeah. a little surprised <laughs> to sort of see Hit was a recruitment services company. Yeah. Um, I was thinking maybe something a bit sexier, but. Um, they do um, consult in that, yeah, as you say, information, communication, sort of technology space. So they are basically, the, the recruitment game is in the right area. Yep. They've mainly got government and large enterprise clients. You, the, the only negative for me was the top 10 clients accounted for 92% of the business. So right. very concentrated in the top end. Yep. Um, the thing I did like about it was that it wasn't, um, uh, the revenue was sticky. So. Um, in recruitment, normally you're sort of getting paid for every deal you do. Yeah. Um, whereas this, they basically had a, a large percentage as a reoccurring revenue. Yeah. So obviously, obviously having a different approach where you, you call it more like a management fee to sort of run projects right. and run people, okay. uh, yeah. which which is a great way to go. You know, takes the, the lumpiness out of uh, that yeah. that business. So do like there. That's yeah. So it looks quite good to me. Um, been pretty well run up to this point. Just. Just the mix there, sort of, you know, I'd like yep. to sort of see, because if, if, you know, it's like if, you, if your um, top 10 clients are making up 92% of your business, yep. if you lose one of them, you're, it's a bit of a hit. So yep. uh, I'd like to see a bit more of a favourable mix, but um, yeah, you'd like to see sort of maybe some more you know, okay. contracts come on, but definitely in the right space anyway, that's probably the key there. Okay, so yeah. a yes from you on the high tech? Yeah, look, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I don't not like it. So uh, yeah, I think it looks uh, looks okay. Uh, Howard, what do you think of uh, High Tech Group? Yeah, I too had never heard of this company before, but having a look at it, its return on equity is outstandingly good, which comes from the fact that you don't need much equity to run a consulting um, and contracting business where you're recruiting uh, high tech people to send out to individual companies. So not that surprising. It's got high return on equity. It's had zero debt. Um, all along, so that's good as well. And earnings per share have been growing quite nicely at about 12% a year. But when you look at the size of the company, it really only makes about $3 million a year in profits. And this is coming, as Gary points out so correctly, from a relatively small number of big clients. So, you know, losing one of those clients um, is not only a big hit to the profits, but you lose a couple of them and you could still have some of your overheads, although most of the overheads are probably people which would go away, but you could you could have some of your overheads and suddenly a dramatic drop in revenue and you could be in a loss. So a little bit too risky because of its size being so tiny. I mean, with $3 million in profits, not a lot has to go wrong and you could be in a loss. So despite its high return on equity and low debt, um, we'd like to see it a lot bigger as a business before we would feel comfortable. Okay. When I say a lot bigger, I'm not talking billions, but you know, if you're making $10 million profit a year, uh, you, you can probably more easily cope with your overheads if something goes wrong than when you're making three. Right, okay, all right. Thank you for that, Roxanne. Now, Howard Valerie asked for a view on IDP education. I reckon this is a fascinating business. It's in the international, um, student placement in universities market um, in New Zealand, Australia, the US, UK and Canada has 100 offices in 31 countries and it also has an English testing 
system that um, international mm. students have to pass so that they can be, be placed in, in these universities. Um, it's half owned by Australia's um, universities. All of them own this business. So they use it for their international placement. So they own the company that's doing the job for their students. It's, um, it's pretty valuable too. What do you think of it, Howard? Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting and for me particularly fascinating because the first businesses I ever ran uh, of my own that I built and ran were in language courses. And we built up a language course business that uh, operated out of South Africa into South Africa, Australia uh, and uh, Switzerland and a little bit in the UK. So uh, I'm always fascinated when anything is education related. Of course, the big problem they've got at the moment is students aren't as easily able to go from one country to another. So these vast numbers of students that they would be helping to place um, who came from non-English speaking backgrounds and were uh, usually in the developing world and were going to universities in Australia, you know, New Zealand, Canada, the UK, the United States. Um, that, of course, that market has had the bottom fall out of it because of COVID and the lockdowns, and we don't know when that's going to correct itself. So as a result, the return on equity has plunged. The earnings per share, interestingly, hasn't gone down all that much, so they must have done a lot of work on getting rid of some of the overhead. Um, And they don't have a lot of debt, Um, so it it looks quite good. But um, my concern would be exactly that, that... um, you know, uh, when are we going to get large numbers of students coming into the various countries again? And they are on an incredibly high PE ratio on their current earnings, about 80. So, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't be looking at it right now, but um, it's certainly uh, uh, on a personal level enthuses me longer term. So once once we get some more certainty that uh, international travel becomes practical, they may start growing again, um, but I wouldn't be looking to enter this company now. Uh, Gary, what do you think? Because um, unis yeah. are crying poor at the moment. Yeah. Um, but their investment in IDP education is worth billions. Yeah, it's, it's funny one there. Yeah, it's, uh, I was actually talking about this uh, this company with a client of one a couple of weeks ago. He actually sort of um, has got a smaller enterprise in this space, so right. knows the space, but. He, he sort of couldn't talk highly enough of this company saying that yeah, just just basically they've done really well but also just a, they've created a yeah they're in a really nice pocket right, uh, yeah. good margin business um, so it has obviously done, done very well so far and will continue to do well but the issue is at the moment students can't move around the world there that's yeah. that's the business model is yeah. is sort of closed yeah. so how long will it be closed for I know the market will definitely look ahead here Yep. And hence the share price has gone from what thirteen dollars up to twenty one dollars here, yep. um, and I think basically what sort of Hal was asking about you know, whether you know the, the numbers there. I think basically the full year revenue was only down one percent, and I think that's reflective of the fact that they did no business in the last four months. That was how well the, the business had done up to that point. Right. So right. Um, so really, sort of shows you that when that business can. It operate it, it does really hum yeah, yeah. Okay. it's just basically how long is this shutdown going to be right. so and not now but when the shutdown well see the market always back. market always looks ahead david it's sort of right. you know so you're seeing a lot of stocks that don't that you probably shouldn't invest in here but they're starting to move up because right. the market's thinking 
You know, it's always got the rose-coloured glasses okay. on. You know, when's it, you know, how long is it going to be? Six months, twelve months. Yeah. So we're always looking a little bit ahead here. So it's it's a tough one. I think it's one of those stocks that maybe you know you, you wait for sort of some uh, darker days on the share price, but okay. definitely um, wait for a pullback. Yeah. All right, running out of time. Uh, our final stock, uh, Gary, uh, Adacel Technologies. It's um, an air traffic management system. Twenty-one percent of the world's airspace is controlled by their Aurora air traffic management technology. Had no idea. Yeah. Actually, I was quite surprised in the numbers. Obviously, the revenue, you know, 20% profit above guidance, the revenue's up. So all the numbers are, are going gangbusters at the moment, which is sort of thing, oh, it kind of doesn't yeah. make sense because the yeah. aeronautic industry is down. But um, I did find out that because if you're a pilot, you need to do so many hours in the oh. air Otherwise, you lose your license. Ah. So if you can't get in the air, you need to go and do some simulation. So and that's, they run that too. They they run the simulator. So that's why we obviously why the numbers wow. are so good because at, so if, if we remain grounded, right, yeah, <laughs> these guys yep. will still keep doing it because you obviously have to sort of yep. keep your accreditation up, do so many hours. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, sort of like hmm. sort of um, so it makes sense as to why those numbers okay. are up. Because when I first saw it, I thought that doesn't make sense. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. what do you think of it? Uh, look, the price has moved up quite a lot as well. So, yeah. but it has only gone back to um, to just under where it was pre-COVID. So it yeah. hasn't sort of shot ahead here. So, considering the numbers, and if COVID were to last a bit longer, then those those results are probably going to continue to grow here. It's just sort of, okay. you know, maybe two years from now they'll probably fade back again. But right. um, but at the moment they're in a bit of a sweet spot. So okay. earnings will probably improve here. Okay. Uh, Howard, what do you think of, uh, of Adacel? Uh, not a company I knew before either, and it's fascinating to hear from Gary uh, the interesting thing that when the pilots can't fly, they actually need to use them more. So that's really quite interesting. Um, the thing that concerns me is there have been three years where it's made a loss. In 2011, 2014 and 2019, it had big losses, and in other years it's had good profits. So um, it doesn't seem to be able to be run with any level of stability. And what we really want as, as investors is uh, earnings growing in a reasonably stable manner. Because if the earnings are growing reasonably stably, um, we can predict the share price a long time ahead. When you've got a company that uh, every third or so year has a big loss, um, what do you, how do you work out uh, what the share price is likely to be, or more importantly, what your return is likely to be from owning that company. Yep. So um, it's a no for me, um, right. but I must say I'm, I'm quite fascinated to yeah. hear that it benefits by planes on the ground and pilots yep. on the ground. <laughs> it's funny, the price it's, section, the chart is reflective of what, what Howard's saying. That it's really had a rocky uh, yeah, share price right. moving up and down. So, so, so yeah. Greg, uh, really good suggestion. We've had Thank you to everyone. We've had some great stocks today to go through. Just to recap, uh, the last five, Origin, a no. Integrated Research, if you can get it, um, a good company, a wealth winner that Howard's been in for a long time. He's looking to buy under $4. Gary said if you can get around three fifty, would be great as well. Uh, high Tech, um, um, an interesting one from Gary. Yes, to watch out for a no from Howard. IDP Education, well-run business look possibly at a pullback and Adacel Technologies a no as well. Um, Gary Glover from Novus Capital. 
Great to have you on the, the panel today. Good to see you as usual. Thank you. And Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Howard. Great to be on. Bye. And now just before we uh, head to a very short break, get the latest from our team, from uh, Scuddy and Nadine, straight into your inbox every afternoon, the latest uh, stuff that you needed to know on business, finance and startups with COB to just, uh, subscribe to it. Uh, go to osbiz.co slash join. We'll have it in your inbox by 5.30 every afternoon, Monday to Friday. Are you an investor looking for an opportunity in the startup community? Then make sure you watch Startup Daily every day between two and three. Uh, each show, the team brings you the, the startups looking for capital and they're joined by Nathan Oliveri from Rightpaw, a new website to connect um, with vet-approved dog breeders that's coming up on Ausbiz. So uh, uh, on Startup Daily on Ausbiz between 2 and 3 p.m. Short break coming up and then the pulse. Stick around.